Welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks, and this is one of my special episodes for the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival, otherwise known as TIFF. I am your host, Carolyn Hines, and this is the podcast YouTube channel where I speak to film creators about their work, the industry, and what inspires them. And today, I am joined by composer Kalashian Kalashalvin. Yes, I got it right. Yeah. Um, to talk about his work on the film This Place. So this film is a was made in Toronto and it's made by an entirely um, a Canadian um, creative team. And Kalation is a Toronto. Yeah, he's from Scarborough, wherever. <laughs> and um, yeah, <laughs> and this place is um, it's an inch, it's a very to me of it was a very profound film and it it resonated a lot with me because being an immigrant, um, there's a lot of themes about immigration, about displacement, about finding your identity as an immigrant. And even though it's a queer love story, it's interesting how all of that ties into this love story between these two women, but they can't begin their love story unless until they start to dis- dis- discuss who they are as immigrants and who they are as First Nations, because one of the characters is Mohawk. And, I, and I'm so happy to be talking to Kalation today because this film is interesting because it talks about Tamil, um, identity, Mohawk, um, Canadian Indigenous First Nations, as well as Iranian, and all of these different music styles are in, are integrated into the score of this film. But before we do that, as usual, I like to ask my guests to say a bit about themselves and what got them into their career path. So, for you, Glacian, what got you involved into becoming a musician and a film composer? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was kind of a very typical over-programmed brown kid, basically. My parents sent me to a lot of music lessons. Um, I grew up with classical Western piano training, but also South Asian Carnatic music training. Uh, I was a percussionist. I was a flautist. I was just sent to a lot of things. Uh, And at the same time, I was like, you know, med school is the goal. Uh, so it was that kind of weird thing and I was just the kid that was you know I was really in love with classical music I was also really in love with film music like I grew up listening to like Thomas Newman and Howard Shore and John Williams uh and and in high school I was just always in the band hall and everything so I was and my music teachers noticed that about me and they would always ask me to write little things for other ensembles so it was kind of just always happening uh in terms of my education like i'm classically trained with the rcm and my arct and stuff but um i ended up going to school for biochem and yeah it's this funny trajectory and i ended up working in cancer research for years but i was always working with my school orchestra i was, had a lot of different colleagues in art circles and friends in theater dance and film who knew i was kind of obsessed with this music thing and they'd ask me to do things for them and that kind of just started snowballing. Uh, and eventually I just realized this is what I have to do um, mm-hmm. with music. Um, and um, now I'm like fully into music and I've been writing for films for some time now. And I also write concert or contemporary classical music mm-hmm. as well for just different ensembles. Um, so it's been a very weird circular path here, but we're here and it's exciting. Yeah. 
that's that's amazing i'm kind of the same way like i i'm in film criticism i'm a film critic and a journalist but that was not the path that i started on but <laughs> it's like life is that way and i think i i guess it kind of to be you to be using a musical analogy it's kind of like a music score like you you start on one you start on one line and then you like like the score never flows exactly it's all up and down but before we go on, i do have to ask because like you like who is our actually it's kind of hard to ask who your favorite composer is, but like, what is your favorite <laughs> genre of classical music? Like, mine is Baroque. So I love Baroque style um, classical music. And I love like Beethoven, Mozart, of course, but like Chevalier and, you know, and all these guys at Rachmaninoff and things. So who would be, who, which is like your favorite genre or your favorite um, classical composer? Yeah, that's a really hard one. Um, I guess for so much of my life, I was just really in love with the Impressionists. So Debussy mm -hmm. and... Ravel and Planck and mm. all the all the French folks uh, uh, okay. in the early days was huge for me. But then you know also Stravinsky is massive for me. And then uh, even the later modernist stuff like Berio mm. and and Zanakis and the weirder mm. things that happened later in the 21st century. And also a huge fan of John Adams and some of the post minimalists. So yeah. like this is the thing about my life is that you know my brain gets. I've been told by a friend it's a very Gemini thing of me to be like but my brain is tickled by all these just different ways of thinking about sound and yeah. uh, style and how like in a hundred years how much music changed from 1900 to 2000 and all the crazy things it was doing um and I'm still digesting all of it. And I think mm. in some way, even my music changes in that sense too. Um, mm. And that is like the perfect segue to my first question. So like at the beginning, I mentioned how this place, it talks about um, different cultures and, and, and immigration stuff. And, but like, because it's talking about multiple cultures and multiple, uh, multiple identities, the film features multiple um, music styles. You know, you have traditional Iranian music, especially at the beginning, because it begins with these Iranian characters and they're immigrating to Canada, but actually they're, they're refugees. So they're fleeing from the, the conflict in, in Iran at that time. And that was around late 1980s, early 1990s. And there's like, there's this, there's this, sorry, my, what, get down. My dog is excited. She wants to become involved in the conversation. <laughs> oh, um, she's got to come make an appearance. Come on. Yoko. <laughs> If I call her, she'll jump up. But that's like, she'll be completely still. As soon as I start talking on the phone, she'll on the laptop, she wants to be involved. No. I love it. She um, loves the camera. It's great. It, no, she doesn't actually. She doesn't even like Ooh. me. She she refuses to look at the camera whenever I try to take pictures. She turns her back on me. But oh. <laughs> but I digress. Um, so so we get I want to begin like there, like beginning with the um how the music you integrate like Iranian traditional music into the score from the beginning because it has this very particular feel because it's a, the film begins with them fleeing and it's about angst and terror and uncertainty so how do you as a composer go about researching like the different instruments and the songs that you want to involve to start the film because like the music begins and it sets the tone of the film like you know so yeah. you have to start on a good tone so like how do you go about just composing the the first sound that we the audience is going to hear yeah, totally. I mean, like, it was a really important conversation for us. Like, when we started, we were like, you know, there are all these complex characters that come from these different communities. And what is our responsibility with the music to talk, to address that? And I think where we landed, it became important for us that, you know, um, we decided to move away from trying to bring in, like, all these different kinds of cultural and traditional instruments from these communities. Because the film... One, the film does so much already about like these characters speaking about their experiences and stuff 
we realize what's the role of the music in this. So is the music going to already just imitate what's happening on screen or are we trying to bring a different perspective uh, to the film? And what music can do, and it's so powerful in this way in a film is that it automatically sets up a way to view a film, right? Um, So we knew that, you know, what the music had to do was has to come from a place of feeling, from emotion. The characters are, are, there's already these beautiful scenes where we hear uh, Malay and Goniosha talk about their different experiences as refugees, as indigenous people, as people of two cultures and traditions. And it felt wrong that the music had to now suddenly, should we bring in some indigenous instruments here? Should we bring in some Tamil instruments here? It felt kind of too tokenistic. It felt like we were going to suddenly put the movie in a box and that, you know, only their identity is everything. So what the music had to do was how do we bring the characters out? Like we're seeing the world of Toronto, the city that inhabits all these different complex and uh, multifaceted characters and communities through the eyes of these two young women, right? Uh, These two young women who are discovering love for the first time, these two young women who are reckoning with their mixed feelings about their fathers and their family. And that's what the music had to really bring out. So we were very deliberate about instrumentation and color and music. uh, But I was keen on not you drawing from like, you know, I didn't want a sitar or like uh, for a Tamil context. I didn't want to trap into indigenous drumming and in a very obvious way. But there are moments where we pay tribute to that in the end, uh, in a scene where we had this sort of uh, speaking to her father uh, through the Iranian poetry, but also seeing shots of her mother burying, um, uh, doing this whole ritual. Uh, we were, you know, I got my friend who's from the Comanche Nation to play this fiddle solo. Uh, that was also something that was a very subtle way of tying in this cultural thread. But, you know, it became to like you spoke about f- that feeling of that angst in the beginning, right? So, like for that, this whole character of Gonyosha's Iranian father, we kind of used this sort of mandolin texture uh, mandolin uh musical theme that would be what he's what drives that angst in the same way we have these oboe solos that sort of uh covers Gonyosha's theme about her innocence and how she finds her courage and how she sees toronto because this is her first time in a big city and everything seems so big and wondrous and you see this beautiful mural you see all the way that queen street is sort of popping out and it was that that perspective that we needed the music to have, right? We we brought in my friend Alexander Pekovsky's voice to uh, bring the love theme for the two of them. Um, when we hear about like Malay's father, think about Sri Lanka and Jeffna or Yalpanam and about this idea of home, uh, I wrote these sort of brass quartet uh, pieces. So, because so much of it, I think for me was, you know, the goal the music had to really do is create this sort of, freeze time for a second because these both these people have entered almost this dream state where they're like you know in love with each other and in love with the place that they're in and dealing with their feelings of love for their family and that's what the music is trying to tell i think if we wanted to avoid by becoming these cultural tropes and cliches because the the film was already doing so much about speaking about community Mm -hmm. and culture so it's this whole day deal of like, do we want to put a hat on a hat? And what is the music trying to do? Like, it's trying to come from a place of feeling. And that was the first directive for us, for me writing the score. Uh, 
and the thing with and as you just mentioned that it's about them falling in love and with this film like you have to balance very carefully in between the romantic music you know the music yeah. where they're looking at each other like their first thing they meet like there's instant chemistry like the music is just like very lightly and it's not like overly sentimental it's not like about like there are sometimes you can tell with a film where um the score is being done to make the audience feel something that they wouldn't necessarily feel without the score and sometimes mm-hmm. it feels forced you're just like i want you to cry so i'm gonna play this overly sentimental music so you can feel your mu- emotions and then there's Sundays where the score is just easy and it feels natural and it feels like a natural the soundtrack of their life so that, and that's what is, a composition is supposed to be for a film like just be the just be the soundtrack for these moments so like for um with in your discussions with Viti Nayani who's the director and one of the co-writers how, what were the discussions you had um not only at the beginning of the production but maybe throughout the film where, where you were like you know what we had this idea but then as production went on you were, you were you decided okay this is actually where we want to take the score in this direction because like this feels more natural for what is happening as we're going along yeah i mean like it was also about like these two young women in toronto like well what what kind of music would they listen to right like what's the music in their lives and initially so there's a mix of like pop songs in there as well but initially we were talking about should we do a more pop kind of score mm-hmm. uh and we tried some things there and then we moved away from that direction and we went into a place of like um because it's shot in a certain beautiful kind of way and there's there's a way both of the characters move too mm-hmm. And you see these ways that they walk around the city and they look around and stuff and everything has this sort of very dreamlike quality. So it felt like the moment they start seeing each other, they've entered this magical space, uh, this sort of uh, feeling where color is popping, where like everything seems almost hyper real and hyper emotional. And to do it in a way that was, as you're saying, not overly sentimental, like the trick with music, I think the balance is, you know, we don't want to be telling people what to feel ever um we're trying to create a world a unique sonic world of what does it feel like to be in there right and you know you're thinking about what it's like for first love and the butterflies in your stomach and suddenly you're you're queasy because you're overwhelmed with sensation but also you're taking in all these things um so it needed to have that quality of like this is a world that's a world of their own right and it is romantic it's romantic when it's romantic and it's uh, it's sad and upsetting in other places, uh, but it's never the goal. We, what we want to make sure is that the music isn't telling or doing what's already in the film. Mm-hmm. It needs to crack the subtext and bring that out. Right. Um, so that was always a dance that we were sort of dancing around. And there were places where, you know, we had to really back off and there were scenes where, you know, their, their, their voices and their conversation is the music. They, we don't need to add music to that. Uh, so restraint is a big part of it. Um, and that's huge with dramas, I think, uh, in my experience, because uh, so much of it is in the writing, so much of it is in the film. And in, if you just put too much, you destroy what's already there. Mm-hmm. So my job as a composer is to help elevate or bring out things in it, right? Um, so it's always that dance of like, there's moments in the film that very lean itself to music, where it's like, this is all about feeling and color in that sense and then there are other moments where the music doesn't need to quite be there and that was the balance we were sort of finding Mm, right and one of the other one of the responsibilities of a composer um is i think particularly for films like this where you have because as we were saying we're talking about films it's a film about people from different cultures and different cultures when it comes to songs 
have mm-hmm. different tones and different um, methods and different vocalizations, you know. But then there's something that was that's always so interesting to me about, um, especially for people of color. And like sometimes, like we're all from very different cultures, but when you hear like vocalizations, like you know, like in some cultures it's like ululating, and then like there are some yeah. cultures where it's just like humming or or moaning, you know. But then it's like you just hear these moments, and you know exactly you you hear these songs, and you know exactly the emotion that's trying to be conveyed, and you have yeah. that in this film. So talk about like finding the um the the singers and the artists that you use to like do those kind of like um vocalizations, and then just like composing the structure of those because sometimes I was wondering how do you compose like vocalization like relating and those and like mourning and like even like yeah. for, like being black there's like negro spirituals and like there are those kind of songs where we just move from singing vo- using lyrics to just like humming and following the flow so you kind of have that in the film so like talk about like structuring those and finding the artists you use yeah i mean totally like you know i come from a also south asian carnatic music training like background as well i've been in that world for so long and yeah, like vocal inflections and the different ways that you think of a rendering is so huge. Uh, like it changes everything, right? So, I mean, when I write, I usually start with myself only and I'm writing these themes and these sort of melodic and musical ideas, uh, often at the piano and, and, and I sort of sketch them out. I sort of create these recordings and mock-ups and then I sort of invite other musicians into the process. So, I mean, this like string quartet stuff there, that's pretty straightforward. I sort of write everything and it gets recorded as in uh they read off sheet music but with soloists it's always interesting because you like you said it's working on those nuanced inflections and things like that um and with this it was you know um you know it's it's a, it's a low budget film so right from the start you know they were like we don't have much money to like bring in musicians and stuff and i'm saying it's okay we're gonna make this work so i reached out to my network of friends and colleagues and musicians that i've worked with in so many different ways in the past uh and it's just such a you know we managed to get so much music recorded for this from all different kinds um and again it was coming back to what are the colors we associate with different characters but with the vocal work and stuff yeah like what i would do is i would write these melodies uh and work work, work with the singer and sort of you know let's explore different ways to sort of uh like how does this how do we open this melody and how do we close it like where do we bring the humming in because the moment the first love theme comes in when they see each other it's hummed it's closed it's muted it's reserved it's uh, anticipation without acknowledgement uh, and then how do we open that like you know and what are all the different and you see as there's more turbulence and turmoil in both of their lives you see to see that hear that in the vocal inflections as well you're hearing different ways that we chose to vote like v- play with different vowels and different ways of rendering sound and that was just a really really fun process in the same way you know um with some of the string solo stuff uh drew Jureka and his quartet played the quartet stuff uh, and that's a more Western classical way of, you know, they did these emotional violin solos. But then at the end, uh, I asked my friend Olivia Komachit, who also played the mandolin and guitar uh, for the opening and everything. And, you know, I asked, I gave her, you know, this melody and I asked her, can you play it on the fiddle in the fiddling style of your, of the Comanche nation and stuff. And, you know, it's just such a different way of how she thinks about melody and how she mm. thinks about performance and the way they even enter a note and leave a note is so different from a classical Western tradition. And you can hear that like right 
in the performances, those two different ways of thinking about sound, but it's all, it's the same instrument. It's the violin. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just performed differently. And, and that was really beautiful. And that brought a certain rawness and a certain inflection in color that was so necessary for that moment as well. Um, in the same way, you know, like we sort of drew a little bit on jazz and sort of uh, in, in some of the brass writing, uh, I worked with Chanel Cricko and um, her, she has a brass quintet of phenomenal players and um, she's a good friend of mine, also a composer. And we sort of spoke about, you know, how do we find this tone um, uh, that sort of draws from like, you know, something that's very regal and nostalgic. Uh, but at the same time has all this freedom of color and um, just uh, Michael Jones who played the trumpet solos is a fantastic musician. Um, so it's been a real, real mix of like different colors and different traditions of music. Uh, and that kind of came in together. And I think what we've built with the score is this really colorful mosaic mm -hmm. of, of just different sounds and different ways of hearing sound. Um, it's been just a real treat getting to work with some of, the best musicians and friends on this. And I'm glad we all made it work. Yeah, like hearing you like, just like name all of the different artists that you um, worked with and then like the different cultures they're coming from, like for like Comanche, like I think that's one of the beauties about Canada and about being in Toronto is that we meet so much people, so many different, what am I saying? So many people from so many different cultures and different, um and different like countries, like you are able to, and then you see there's the commonalities, like how you can use a European instrument like the violin and then you, you use it to like give I guess you could say give voice to your own culture with, but with this European instrument you know and I think that's um, and that's something and I, I talked about to VT and Priya about this um, in our interview where I was saying like one of the I think one of my favorite scenes in the film is like when they when they have their first date and um, yeah. Malaya and when a host day, their first conversation is their own about their preconceptions about who they thought they were. Like, yeah. you know, Malaya, she didn't think that Gwen Hoste was uh, First Nation. She didn't think she was Mohawk. She thought she was Iranian, you know, uh, whereas yeah. um, Gwen Hoste, she thought that uh, Malaya was uh, First Nations. And it has to do, and like uh, they were saying, and they said in the interview, it has to do with how, like, we have, a, a, especially for a lot of people of color, we, because we watch so much Western TV and like a lot of it is produced by white people and in Hollywood in particular, where they have their own preconceptions and their own stereotypes and their mm -hmm. own ideas of who people of color are from particular, whether you're First Nations, whether you're uh, Native American, whether you're from the Caribbean, like I am, or from Southeast Asia or South Asia, like you are, like we only see specific, or we used to only see specific um, interpretations and representations yeah. of people from these cultures so when you meet people like suddenly you're like oh i especially unless unless you're well read and well educated and you you grow up watching and learning of people from different cultures and if you watch like i used to watch like a lot of documentaries and i watched a lot of like um national geographic and different films so it was like i but i kind of i always kind of had the knowledge and the idea of like okay, every person that looks Asian is not Chinese, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas yeah, yeah. if you watch um, American TV, especially in the, like before I would say probably 2000, 2005, you only saw one idea of what a Native American looked like. Now it's changing. Yeah. You know, and that's what representation is about. Representation is only about getting to see us on screen, but getting to see the different variations of us on screen like being from the caribbean i want to see people from trinidad jamaica barbados martinique from southeast asia you want to see people from malaysia i want to see people from Suriname. i want to see people from tamil sri lanka i want to see people from uh, the philippines right mm -hmm. and like 
all these people look different, even within their own cultures and within their own communities, everyone looks different. And the film explores that. So like hearing you talk about the different people you meet, like this is one of the things about a multicultural society. And when you have films like this, where it talks about what representation means and what identity means, you get to explore these things in like the music and like give musicians from these different cultures opportunity to play like these representations of their cultures and show like, this is how you can like appreciate our music. And like, like a lot of white people say, oh, like, how would you go and play Native American instrument on a, on a, on like a European, on like the violin or the trombone or the trumpet? I'm like, this is how, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's the fact that, you know, it's, it's, we're complicated. We're not just one thing, right? Like, yeah. I don't think people who are not, you know, who are of immigrant families or non white folks and everything, like, identity is complicated. We, mm-hmm. You know, we're not just the color of our skin. We're not just our language. We're not just, you know, the traditional instruments that we grew up with. We are so much more. We're like, we're so much more than that. Right. And so the nuance of that and the tensions in that are interesting. Like, you know, you talk about like, I love how you're speaking about the kind of movies and stuff that talk about representation and stuff. And the fact is like, you know, I and I think a lot of people of color like grew up with those American movies mm-hmm. uh, because that was what was available to us at the time. Uh, and and that is also a part of our culture because, you know, we grew up, or at least I did, I grew up here uh, for my life and everything. At the same time, there's all this family heritage and, and culture that I grew up with in home. And so the reality is identity is so mixed and pluralistic and complicated. And so what I love about this film is that it does explore those tensions, right? Like to be Sri Lankan Tamil in Toronto is not just one thing. Um, there's something about even radical about the film where, you know, it's about a brother and sister living alone in a place downtown Toronto. That's pretty, ra- that's, you know, that's not, that's a, such a cool way of seeing a Sri Lankan Tamil family. You wouldn't really expect that from, you know, like the typical way that immigrants are depicted on film in the same way we see like, you know, Gonyoshta dealing with her Iranian and her uh, Mohawk heritage too. It's, it's very contemporary. It's very now it's a very, and that's the fact that, you know, people can hold multiple truths. People can hold multiple stories and multiple lineages. And it was the same thing we were trying with the, the music too. And taking like, you know, we didn't want to make identity one thing and just one box. And that's why we were like, we want to, avoid just putting instruments to people like traditional instruments to people and making it that kind of music. Cause that's not what they're about. They're not just about the place they come from. Right. It's also the place they're in yeah. and it's the people they're becoming. Um, and, and, you know, like just think about all the different kinds of music that even you and I listen to because of the different backgrounds we've come from. Right. Like how diverse and pluralistic that must mean be compared to the, the average you know, the average person and everything. And like, you know, taking like, even, you know, for even like uh, Gonyoshta and like her character, like, you know, we wrote, I wrote these like oboe solos that feel like almost semi-improvisatory. And there's almost sort of like a uh, very different tradition of playing that oboe in there that I was really interested in. So it's like taking these Western instruments and finding the same tension, like what else can they do? What else can they be bent to do? Um, Because that's what we're dealing with as people, right? Like to grow up uh, in school here, being South Asian was always negotiating that. Like there's, there's, there's these two things and code switching and all these things about like what it's like to be a person growing up here is huge. And it's a part of us like, and that's that tension and that 
those contradictions and that friction is what makes us so interesting and it's what drives our art and it's the reason we end up where we are and I think yeah. the film captures that so beautifully and I was just trying to do that with the music as well yeah we're adaptable <laughs> and we have yeah. to be right because um you talk about the code switching that's another thing in the film where like we have you're hearing multiple languages being spoken in different in one conversation you hear someone yeah. you hear them switch from um Mohawk the Mohawk language to English yeah. and then you have um and then you have like switching from Tamil to English and then even in the background in like when you're going to like the stores you hear the Iranian um, music playing but then like the the grocery I'm um, the owner she switches from speaking Iranian to English and it shows like we are all we are very multifaceted like for me I switch my I switch from my Barbadian dialect and accent they're kind of like a nondescript accent kind of like yeah. so you can understand me because if I speak in my accent most people wouldn't understand me but but that's just like that's I think that's one of the things I love talking with like filmmakers and uh, filmmakers and uh, creatives like you, especially um, people of color from different um, uh, from different countries and different communities and cultures, because like it, like we, I think, have a special um, gift and ability, and like being creatives and like working in film shows that where people will say, oh, and it, it just occurred to me, but it's kind of funny how people will, especially I was, I'm going to just be blunt. So white people will look at people like us from different cultures and say we're primitive or they have this idea and think that we're uneducated or that we can only do this one thing and i'd be like can you switch from one dialect to the to the next within the That's space right. of two words can yeah. you <laughs> you know like you can't right can you be can are, are are you able to experience the different foods that we eat listen to the different musics that we hear and be able to appreciate the differences and the nuances and the similarities mm-hmm. that we that we have in the music, like I said, like we were talking about the um the the singing and the vocalization. That I'm from a completely different culture to um, Mohawk and Tamil, but I can still appreciate the vocalizations because it's it's still very very familiar to me to how my people sing and how my people appreciate music. Yeah, there's something about having that where you can appreciate things even outside of your culture in a way that I feel like if you didn't grow up with that very you like we're violently aware of our differences right mm-hmm. uh, because we have to be like we know that when we're in certain spaces if we don't even carry ourselves a certain way it could be dangerous like mm-hmm. we've grown up with that fear i think and and on different levels based from different communities right like i'm not saying we're all the same yeah uh, either but because we've had to be very aware of our differences we're also very aware of what we share in a way that if we're speaking bluntly um you know, white folks won't be because you've never had to really think about that in that space, mm-hmm. right? It's a certain privilege that comes with that. Uh, but, you know, like I, I share that kinship where I, when I hear other traditions of music too, I'm like, oh my gosh, we share a similar way of thinking about improvisation or we share a similar way of thinking about uh even things like mourning and grief. And mm-hmm. like, it's so like, you know, because our communities, we just very intelligent about the way we listen to things and the way we see things um and it's also part of like coming from an immigrant community or like you know i'm I'm the son of refugees and stuff and like the first thing that people look for when families come here is sort of community and kinship and there's this idea of giving out hands and reaching out to folks and taking them like that's something that we grew up with uh and so we've always just naturally intuitively looked for that um, and there's so many things like, you know, the way we speak multiple languages, we, we, 
Uh, we've been in different spaces. So it just demands our attention in a certain way that you won't have if you didn't grow up with that. Mm. Uh, and and that's what makes our identity so complicated. And that's why we can we can lean on each other culturally in so many yeah. interesting ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, and, and I think it's something we take for granted because we we grew up for that. Uh, but I know I have friends who are, you know, white, if we're saying speaking bluntly, and you know it's conversations we've had very with very good friends of mine just like you know that's something that Mm -hmm. they can't listen for because it's just something they didn't grow up with and um yeah it's kind of crazy that way isn't it it is because they like you like at the beginning you talked about how your 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 trajectory you grew up learning all of these multiple instruments and then like your parents were like you're going to become a doctor and you kind of went into that but now you're doing uh, you're doing but the thing is i was just going to say i'm more creative but i think being a good doctor in involves creativity because you like being able to diagnose and listen to patients it involves a certain um, aspect of creativity as well but it's just like being a musician I think in particular like like I think having the background that you have does help you be a better musician and a composite and a composer because like you have to be able to when you're thinking of a scene and you have like they show you a scene you have to be able to interpret this scene with music and you have mm-hmm. to be able to say, as you said, like you were saying, okay, I don't want to use, I don't want to use this instrument. This is the instrument I, I associate with the scene. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the culture of the characters because you don't want to make it over sentimental or you don't want to stereotype those, the scene in a way, or you don't yeah. want to stereotype the camera, um, the characters, because I think that's a mistake that a lot of um, white composers do. And like, okay. they, they, they're like, okay, if we're in Iran, all the instruments must be Iranian or all the music must sound <laughs> Iranian or their yes. idea of what Iranian music sounds like. And we're like, but you know, like Iranian people listen to uh, Western pop too. You know, you could go and play, put, go throw some um, Rihanna or some Lady, Lady Gaga in the background. Like you go into a store, like everything is going to be traditional music. They're going to be listening to Michael Jackson in the store too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Iranian pop is also really cool. Like, and like, right. it's the same thing with... Like good, it's the same thing with the Middle East in general, too, right? Like anytime you see a desert in a movie and suddenly there's a duduk in the background or there's a, some wailing happening and you're like, you know, they it's not even the music people there listen to. It's 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 a very white lens of thinking about diversity in music. And it's funny, you like you say, you only see that most often in scores written by white men. So yeah, you're, you're like, like, it's a very particular way of seeing seeing cultures and we weren't interested in that we're like we're not here to put people Mm -hmm. in a box and it's not even about that we're um you know people listen to all sorts of kinds of things and like and and our our music our cultural music is changing and Mm -hmm. has been changing for a very long time now so 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 to suddenly tie and root in uh like thumbness or iranian identity or mohawkness to just one way of making music from a certain time is you know just wrong like it'd be like saying that anytime there's a white person we should be playing mozart like like it doesn't it doesn't clock you know what i All mean right. like, like oh if you have this movie you must go play some clear de lune i'm like really yeah that's right <laughs> It's true. Yeah. But I do appreciate some good Mozart. And I do appreciate a good um, a good I love, Mozart. I love Bach. I can't, you can't, you know, that stuff can't be, we can't break that down. That's the stuff that's still driving music now. Like, it's uh, true. It's, it's true. Crazy. Every year I play Handel's Messiah. So, <laughs> love it. Love it. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you think about music is very cyclical that way, right? Like, all that stuff never actually goes away. Bach is still, you know, his rules are still what drives modern pop music. So mm-hmm. that stuff is 
it's it's built in like and and that's what music is right like i think of music and, and art in general as it's always cumulative research we're always building on people work that we've inherited and then we're just building on top of that and then people are taking that after us too uh, and i think film does the same thing film is just younger uh, mm. but we're constantly drawing from everything before us and i think if you go into this thinking you're going to reinvent the wheel you're doing it wrong um where this is actually a very collective art we're actually doing this in relation to each other mm. uh, and that's what kind of makes it beautiful Mm. Um, so yeah Bach and stuff well, so it's great they're not going away anytime soon they're still here so yeah um, I know we're, I'm, we're gonna wrap it up because I know you still have to go but I one of the things that has always interested me in music and we can use this to kind of tie into what you were talking about is it's so interesting to me that with, with, with music we have a limited amount of notes you know mm-hmm. the scale right. is only this big and you have like you only have the A B C D E F and G and I was yeah. I was legit trying to remember this. I'm like, yes, I'm right. <laughs> and um, but we have you have a finite amount of notes, but it's just like amazing to me how we're able to build a infinite amount of sounds from yeah. these very one specific set of notes. So for you as a as a composer as a composer and someone who the background you have and just like your appreciation for music and your appreciation for different cultures and different sounds. What is what would be your goal as as a composer going forward, having worked on this place and the experiences that you've had? Like, is there something you're saying? I may have this amount of notes, but I'm this is this is my goal as a composer. Yeah, I mean that's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> For me, I think it's about sort of finding and landing on a voice that's authentic to myself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm again coming with the goal that I need to reinvent or break the wheel or anything like that. I think my goal is to find a way. And this is what I've been working on is of all these diverse experiences that I've been in coming together in a voice that is feels and sounds truly like myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I've just grown up writing so many different kinds of music uh, from so many different kinds of genres and even in, you know different ways of producing sound and i'm constantly learning i'm still learning and i will be for such a forever so it's for me like i soak up all these experiences and my goal is how can it come together in in a way that sounds like clayson that sounds like me and that sounds honest and with done with integrity uh and and i'm hoping that with everything i do i'm inching closer towards that uh whether it's in film uh tv or or you know concert music or whatever like um, it's so tempting in especially a film world because you're constantly being asked to sound like something or someone else. Uh, I'd like to be asked to sound like me. Uh, so that's the goal, right? And you're seeing it a lot in like exciting composers now. Like you hear Nicholas Bertel who did like Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. And, you know, like he's done that now where he's has he has a sound and everyone wants sort of the Bertel sound. Or like Emil Mosseri who did like Last Black Man in San Francisco mm-hmm. or Minari uh or johnny greenwood you know from radiohead who's one of my all-time favorites uh yeah, such a surprise as a composer i'm like look how wild like, and he's phenomenal like i'm like come on now that's a progression and then it makes you think about all the stuff he was doing in radiohead and you're like and i love radiohead and you're like oh yeah okay it makes sense you were always kind of just weird and cool and doing strange things and and now he writes for like orchestras and this and that and i'm like yes johnny uh, or johan johansson like these are all people who have lived very long lives and experienced so much 
So then their music at this point, uh, I mean, Johansson has passed, unfortunately, but like everyone else has sort of like found something that's so true to them and their experience. And that like, you know, for me to achieve that would be, I'd be very happy about it, but um, that's what I'm working towards. And hopefully it's getting closer there with everything I do. Yeah. I said last question, but you mentioned Radiohead, so I have to ask, have you seen Arcane? It's a um, it's, it's a um, uh, animated show on Netflix, but it's based on a game called Arcane. And the reason oh, I asked, no. you mentioned Radiohead, but this one of some of the songs and the main theme is the performed by uh, Imagine Dragons, and I'm like right. Imagine Dragons, but in like classical form. I'm like mind blown. So I was guys who can video games or animated projects uh yeah i mean uh i would love to do animated stuff i'm i've you know so many great things that i love uh about animation i would love to try things with that video games too seems really interesting to me uh it's not something i'm pursuing at this moment but it's just such a different way of writing music because it's like driven by triggers and loops and like it's there's an ai engine and it's just it's very calm i have some friends who write video game music and it's a whole other beast uh, I'd, I'd love to tap into it at some point, but there's just so many things you can try uh, and life is too short. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love, I love that. And y- you know, we can talk about Radiohead forever. That could be a whole. It's true. I could talk about, I could talk about 90s, um, all music. Give me some Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins or, or, or Red Chili Peppers or like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Hell yes. Um, uh, the, uh, the, Cranberry is one of my favorite groups ever, but no, I must stop. <laughs> we'll we'll, but, we'll um, exchange that. We'll start exchanging some lists. We'll make it happen. We can yeah, do that uh, for the next podcast. For sure. You know what? I, I can invite you for another podcast after I do all of this tip stuff. Um, thank Love you it. so much for talking with me, Kalisha. This was a joy. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. Just Yay. really fun to get to chat thank with you about you. this. <laughs> Great. So everyone, that was another episode of, of Caroline Talks. I'm your host, Caroline Hines. And today I was joined by Kalisha Kalashelvin, and he was the composer for This Place. It's a film that premiered at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival, co-written and directed by Viti Nayani, starring um, Priya Gans and going and hosted Devry Jacobs. I'm so sorry for pronouncing her name wrong. Um, I really love the film, and I really enjoyed talking to um, Kalashelvin. I appreciate him taking the time to talk to me about his process and and his um his philosophy as a musician and as a composer and i hope you get a chance to see it i please do and you can find other episodes of carolyn talks um but why though.net as well as um in that same podcast format on um acast google podcast and iHeartRadio and other podcast streaming platforms you can find the video version of um Caroline talks and my other podcast so here's what happened and beyond the romance on my youtube channel on my name Caroline Hanks at c-r-o-l-y-n-h-i-n-d-s i'm a member of the african american film Criticism association so you can find videos of my segments of the virtual roundtables that we've been doing for the last two and going on three years because we began at the beginning of the pandemic and it's been amazing i've done some amazing interviews that will for tiff that will be published eventually you, you can find my interview with VT and Priya in the Toronto Start In Their Voices um, section. And um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, that's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2, where you can find me tweeting about random stuff, films, music, t- um, TV shows, rat- politics <laughs> on Twitter. And usually my pinned tweets, you can find my latest work, which is either interviews, writing, 
um, and, and discussions and panels that have been taking part in. And until the next episode of Caroline Talks, everyone, stay safe. Mm-hmm.